Welcome to this podcast called Curious About Recovery. I am Kirsten Honeyball. I am your host. And in this podcast, I will be diving deep into eating disorders, which are complex and challenging to navigate. So whether you're a sufferer, a professional, a family or loved one of a sufferer, you can join me as I get curious by interviewing professionals, chatting to eating disorder survivors and sharing my personal experience with an eating disorder so that you can better understand various perspectives remove stigma, hear inspiring testimonies, and simply get curious about all things eating disorder related. I would like to put out a trigger warning. These episodes explore the topic of eating disorders and some content may be triggering to listeners. Topics explored may mention, but are not limited to, trauma, diets, food and body types, suicide, mental illness, substance use, self-harm, violence, gender identification topics, and more. Please take care before listening to any episodes. It's important to note that this podcast is not aimed to diagnose, treat or cure any form of mental illness and should not be seen as a replacement for treatment of eating disorders. Everything said here is expressed in relation to personal and professional opinions and listeners should be encouraged to view these episodes as an open-minded exploration of various possibilities and perspective rather than hard facts and solutions. Please take what applies or resonates with you and leave the rest. And if you're struggling with an eating disorder, don't hesitate to reach out to me at Kirsten at kirstenhoneyball.co.za. Today we have Dr. Heather Finney on the show and I'm just so excited to chat to her because I first stumbled across her work in a presentation that I think she was doing in a webinar online and I then went to her website. I really loved what she was doing and I took her little uh, quiz that's on her website that tells you, you know, what could be the reasons for your bloating, which is something I think a lot of people who have disordered eating really struggle with. And so I've got her on the show here today to talk to us a little bit about gut health from a professional perspective and how that can kind of educate you at whatever stage of your recovery from disordered eating that you're at. So Heather is a registered dietitian and she helps people struggling with bloating, constipation and IBS find relief from their symptoms and feel excited about food again. Heather struggled with her own digestive issues for nearly 20 years and understands firsthand the impact that nutrition, lifestyle and mindset have on digestive health. Gut health shouldn't be restrictive, stressful or all-consuming. She developed a simple way that individuals can reduce digestive systems and add foods back into their diet. Dr. Heather has a doctorate in clinical nutrition from Maryland University of Integrative Health, and her work has been featured in Mind, Body, Green, Yahoo, Life, and Very Well Health. It's wonderful to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to be here. It's so great to talk to you. I actually I got goosebumps when you said, yes, you'll chat to me because I've just been such a fan of yours. <laughs> and all my clients, all my clients that I deal with, and when they having gut health stuff, they're like, "Oh, but you have you heard of that person, Dr. Heather Finney?" And I'm like, "Guess what? I'm getting to interview her." And they're like, "Wow!" So you're famous in in my in my little circle. So <laughs> Heather, I, I just really would love to know a little bit more about your story. You you've personally experienced a lot of 
the struggles with your gut health and now you are helping other people. So would you like to tell me a bit about where you came from, what that journey looked like for you and, and what motivated you to now help other people with that same, those same issues? Thanks for having me and thanks for letting me share my story. I always tell people I was born constipated, which sounds really discouraging and depressing, but it's not um, considering where I am now. But it was really hard at the time. I struggled with digestive issues for my entire life growing up and honestly didn't really realize that there was anything wrong with me. I just thought, okay, everybody must feel this way because I feel this way. And so once I started to realize that the symptoms I was having were not normal, I started going to doctors. I started reading about digestive health and I'm not that old, but unfortunately at the time, you know, there just wasn't a ton of info on what we know now about digestive health and how the gut is really connected to everything in the body. And so I was led on this journey for years and years. I even went to college really to understand my own digestive symptoms. And I left college, I graduated and I felt like a phony. I didn't even know how to help myself. And so graduating as a registered dietitian, I'm like, how on earth am I supposed to help other people because I can't even help myself? And so that that actually didn't really discourage me. It more motivated me like, okay, what am I missing? And so started understanding more about functional medicine and functional nutrition and really how the entire body works together. And so instead of seeing my issues as separate issues, started to recognize that the restrictive diets that I was on, the um, stress that I was under, the waking up at 5 a.m. every morning to run instead of sleep, that actually was hurting me more than it was helping me. And so when I did my doctorate, I had all these light bulb moments like, wow, I have just been missing so many pieces. There's such a connection between stress and sleep and um, even mindset and the gut. And I've all I've been focused on for the last 20 years related to my gut health was food, because that's what the doctors were telling me. You know, you go and tell your doctor you're bloated and they say, well, try low FODMAP or have you tried cutting out gluten? Have you tried cutting out dairy? Have you tried, you know, doing this, that and the other? And I was so sick of doing restrictive diets because they weren't working. Um, and I was becoming more and more scared of food and no one should feel scared to eat. Um, food should be something that you enjoy and look forward to and Food is so much more than just, you know, a, a meal time. There's memories associated with it and there's um, pleasurable experiences. And so all that to say, I started understanding a lot more about the gut and started recognizing that the issues I was having were much deeper than just the food that I was eating. And so as I started making adjustments to my lifestyle to my mindset, um, and then to my gut as well, there were definitely underlying things that I needed to address there. I started to feel better and now being like removed from that situation and um, being kind of on the other side, not to say that I don't have an occasional issue here and there because everybody does. I it's it's amazing that now I get to help other people that are struggling with digestive issues find relief without restrictive dieting and without um, becoming scared of food. It's such an inspiring story to just hear how you've gone through it and it actually motivated you to help people. And I guess that's a lot of the reasons why people that are in the health industry are often in their positions is because of their personal experience and that desire to actually say, 
I found some stuff that works and I want to help you find that as well. Um, you know, and a lot of the time people will come in, you know, because this podcast does primarily look at disordered eating recovery. And a lot of my clients will come into a session or they'll work with me and they're with a dietitian. And there's a lot of things going on with their new diets. And obviously, an eating disorder does a lot of damage to the gut. Uh, It's years of abuse, whether it's a person abusing laxatives, purging, whether it's the stress stuff or even the mindset stuff like you've spoken about. And they might come into recovery and start experiencing a lot of stomach issues. So obviously a a way to it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. You know, we we now having a lot more research on on the gut brain connection and how the stuff that happens in the gut affects our mental health and vice versa. And so for a person coming into recovery from a disordered eating, is there something that you can give insight into? With regards to the things like constipation, bloating, IBS, food intolerances, all of that stuff that's being diagnosed by, say, their doctor, that might actually have some underlying causes that you would have uh, more effective and holistic approaches to dealing with. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we, like you said, we know so much more about the gut brain connection now. We know so much more about how the gut affects everything else in the body and vice versa. The mind affects the gut, the gut affects the mind. And so what I would say is if your doctor is only giving you a solution for your digestive symptoms that involves restricting food, it's time to look elsewhere because there's so many other things that you can do to improve your symptom, you know, especially if you're recovering from disordered eating or an eating disorder. Some of that just looks like eating enough, um, starting there, getting enough rest, obviously working on the mental health side of, of things like managing anxiety, not uh, over-exercising. There's, there's so much more that we could go into there as well. But it starts with starting to take care of your body um, by eating enough, balancing your blood sugar, and then sleeping enough. Um, and there's actually some very interesting research as well about there's a marker in the gut that we know of called secretory IgA. And without getting into too much biochemistry, secretory IgA is essentially the gut immune system. And it's a, it's a, a marker of immune function in the gut. And IgA's responsibility is to actually wrap around food when you eat it to um, basically tell your immune system, don't have a reaction. So when we have people that have all these food sensitivities, especially when they've had disordered eating, there's a big correlation between low secretory IgA and under eating and stress. And there's a correlation between that low IgA and negative thought patterns. So if you've really been struggling with under eating, negative thought patterns, lots of stress in your life, I would be willing to bet that your secretory IgA is low, which is why potentially maybe you got Instagram influenced into taking some kind of Everly Well or food sensitivity test and you reacted to all the foods that you normally eat. The reason that you're reacting to those foods isn't actually because of the food. It's because of that low secretory IgA and many other factors. But essentially what food sensitivities are telling us is that you have an underlying gut issue. So whether it be that secretory IgA or or other contributing factors, 
what we what we know from that is the solution isn't let's just cut out all the foods forever. It's let's fix the underlying gut issue. It speaks so much into this food intolerance kind of craze that people are going on and, and people are even self-diagnosing food intolerances at, at this point because it's like, well, I had a sensitivity to this thing I ate, therefore I must be intolerant to it. And when you can see there's actually, you know, biochemical stuff going on in your gut that needs to be dealt with, what are some of those things other than the, uh, the low IgA levels that might be contributing to perceived or real food intolerances? And how does one restore the gut in order to combat this these issues? Well, like I said earlier, the first step is eating enough, um, which might be the hardest step to take is nourishing yourself. The second step is balancing blood sugar, making sure you're getting a good variety of proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Um, and then the third step there, like from a food standpoint, is variety. Um, one of the biggest reasons that we see people have digestive issues is because they eat the same things over and over again versus eating a wide variety of foods. So instead of eating the same salad that you eat every single day, can you add different things to it? Or instead of eating the same chicken and rice and broccoli that you eat every single day, can you switch it up and try a different grain and a different vegetable with your chicken or try something else besides chicken? But the gut thrives on variety. And the interesting piece about the gut is that you have trillions of bacteria in your gut that do so many things for you. And you actually have bacteria all over your body, in your gut, on your skin, everywhere. And the bacteria in your gut, they are picky eaters. They prefer different foods. So one bacteria might prefer green beans and another bacteria might prefer chia seeds. And so if you eat a wide variety of food, you're going to have a more robust microbiome, meaning that you're going to have actually better mental health as well. So the key to a happy, healthy gut is variety, which you might be thinking right now, like there's no way I can eat variety. There's only five foods that I can eat without having symptoms. And to that, I would say your gut is a muscle. And just like you can train other muscles in your body to build strength, you can train your gut to build strength too. And it's not a fast process at all. Gut health is, is a slow burn. It's not an overnight fix. I mean, it can take months, years for some people, but the payoff is worth it because, you know, then you're able to eat food that you love again and tolerate it and not have the symptoms. But you can slowly start adding variety, even one new thing a week, two new things a week, um, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, you're slowly going to start increasing that diversity in your gut. And I think that can be such a hard thing for a person who is in recovery from disordered eating because, you know, that that space has kept us mentally in such a space of rigidity and some foods may seem impossible to to face, you know, but it was interesting that you also link that back to the low RGA from what you were previously speaking about was also being shown to have some correlation between negative th negative thought patterns, you know. So, would you say that doing the mental health, like you mentioned earlier, mindset stuff also has a positive effect on gut health? So that is a necessary step of gut health? Oh, totally. Yeah. Gut health is so much more than food. If you're just even focusing on food that's just scraping the surface, and that's a great start, don't get me wrong. But Oftentimes, the reason that we see clients not getting fully better from their digestive issues is because of the mindset piece. 
because of the stress piece um, and because they're only focused on food. So food is a great first step, especially if you're recovering from an eating disorder. Like I said, just eating enough is great. Then you can work on the variety piece, but eating enough is step one. And while you're doing that, working on thoughts around food, working on your mindset at a mealtime, even having a negative mindset about food when you sit down to eat a meal is going to physiologically affect your digestion. It's going to lower salivation. It's going to lower digestive enzyme secretion. It's going to lower stomach acid secretion. And so you can do yourself a huge favor on the digestive front by just eating in a calm manner. So even if that's just taking a couple deep breaths before you eat your meal, that can make a huge difference. I suppose that's where the saying rest and digest comes from. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I I found that, um, you know, when I would be at home, I would find my bowel movements were regular, my digestion was fine. Um, Like, obviously, years after I had got um, gut restoration um, and recovery. But then even to this day, if I'm in a stressful situation, if I'm more stressed at work, if my sleepers pattern has gone down, or if I'm going on holiday and I'm in a new place that I'm unfamiliar with, I find my gut just goes, boom, like doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like, So it just really speaks into this fact that creating a calm environment not only helps you create a better relationship to food, but also literally helps your body digest and do its job. So one thing that I'm quite curious about is maybe a little bit about the science of, if you could touch on it, if you do have an awareness of this, about when a person has been in a heavily restrictive diet, especially if it's restrictive in terms of quantity, and then coming into recovery and really struggling to eat because of this massive, massive feeling of bloatedness and fullness. Um, and I've heard a little bit about, but I don't know much about the fact that the digestive system actually is slowing down because of certain hormones and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, maybe you could speak into what's going on in a person who has been in a restrictive diet, what's going on in their stomach that is causing them to feel so uncomfortable and how can they manage this mentally and physically? Yeah, so many things. But I think the easiest way to describe it is it's an energy equation. So, you know, you your body has a lot of things that it needs to do every day. Um, the most essential things are your heart beating your lungs breathing and your brain, your brain thinking or your brain processing information and and firing all the things. When you are under eating, your body lacks the energy to be able to do non-essential functions. And it might sound weird for me to describe the gut as a non-essential function, but it really is compared to the, the brain, the lungs, the heart, because you need those things to be working for you or you won't survive, obviously. So this is why in a severe calorie deficit, especially for an extended period of time, you'll notice that the gut slows down. And I think the the mindset shift here, the way to think about it is that's good. Like, not that you want to be under eating, but it's good that the body is sparing energy to do the essential things. Like that means your body's doing what it's supposed to do. That's not what we want to happen because we need our gut functioning. So going back to this energy equation, when you're eating enough, your body has the energy to contract and move the gut. And as I mentioned earlier, the gut is a muscle. 
So just like you can get out of shape, you know, let's say you broke your leg and you were in a cast and you hadn't gone to the gym in six months. Well, that leg is going to atrophy. The muscle is going to weaken and it's going to take some time for that muscle to build strength again. And so your gut, same thing. If it's not used to working very much because you're under eating and you're not eating an adequate amount of energy, then it gets out of shape. And so that's why when you start eating more and you get full quicker, it can be extremely uncomfortable because your gut is all of a sudden like, what? is all of this. I don't know what to do. Um, I've not, I haven't had this much in a while. And so there are definitely things that you can do to make that process more comfortable, which we can go into if you want. But you have to remember that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. So just because it is doesn't mean that it's it means like completely stop and go the other direction. Um, you want to support your body's ability to digest uh, so that you can make it a bit more comfortable for yourself, but you can build that strength back over time. I would love to touch uh, on some of those things that could be done. I mean, um, and maybe also touching on whether or not something like supplementation, probiotics, that kind of stuff would help and which ones are recommended. Obviously, there is a disclaimer on this podcast that says this isn't where we are not um, diagnosing or prescribing anything, but maybe just out of your experience, what what might be helpful in a gut restoration process from that perspective and also anything else that comes to mind? Yeah. So there's a time and a place for supplements. I definitely think people tend to over supplement and we tend to just rely on supplements to fix our problems. But if we're under eating, we're too stressed and you know we're not doing anything on the lifestyle side, then the supplements aren't going to work anyways. I see this all the time. We have clients that come to us and they're like, well, I did this protocol. And I'm like, well, what about your sleep? What about you know all this stuff? So that being said, there are certain supplements that can help. Like digestive bitters can be helpful. Again, like like you mentioned, consult your doctor before you try anything new, but digestive bitters can help ease some of that gas, bloating, pain that comes with um, feeling really full or like Swedish bitters, depending on where you are in the world, but they're, they're pretty common to, and easy to get digestive bitters. You can also like on the lifestyle side of things or just the meal hygiene side of things, Activating your vagus nerve before you eat can be helpful. So what we tell our clients to do is to hum happy birthday twice before they eat a meal. It's fun. It'll get you smiling and laughing because you're like, why am I humming happy birthday right now? I'm about to eat, you know, whatever the meal is, but that can help get you into that rest and digest. Uh, you could also do deep breathing or whatever resonates with you. But I think humming happy birthday is very easy to remember. So you could do that. And then once you're able to, this is the this is the disclaimer, once you're eating enough calories, then it's helpful to space your meals out. So instead of snacking or grazing all day long, it is helpful to eat structured meals that are about three hours apart because that is going to give your gut time to rest and digest in between and it's going to help. It might seem like there's no way I can eat a, 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 a full meal at a time and you might have to work your way there, but spacing meals out is really beneficial for your digestive health. I love that it speaks into, again, the fact that it's a slow process. It's not something that's just going to happen and work immediately. But I love the activating the vagus nerve. I've, I've often spoken to clients and, and said, you know, vagal nerve activation is really great, but I've, I've always thought of it as a, as a thing to do after the eating process. And I've never thought of 
doing it before, which is really helpful. And I think a lot of people are going to take a lot from that. My next question is a little bit, could be a little bit of a touchy subject, but I think there's a lot of confusion between eating for gut health versus this idea of clean eating, orthorexic eating, those kinds of things. And and I think a lot of the time people who have disordered eating can latch on to eating right for the gut as another way of controlling their food. So how does one create a little bit of balance around this? What are maybe some of the myths and facts around food and what we need? Um, And how do we enjoy food without falling into this health obsession um, while still eating for the gut? Yeah, that is a great question because I do think that in this day and age, gut health is very much viewed as kind of diet culture-y a little bit. Like gut health is about what you shouldn't eat versus what you should. And my approach to gut health is way more about abundance. Like the more variety of foods you can eat, the better, you know? And so, and also what I'll mention too is food is more than just nutrition. Of course, like food is how we get our nutrition, but food is also memories and experiences and pleasure and joy. And so if you're so focused on what you can't eat, that you're restricting yourself from memories with friends or family or whatever it might be, that's detrimental to your gut health. So there is a balance between like, at the end of the day, getting what your body needs, but then also engaging in some of these pleasurable experiences that often do involve food. Those things are good for you too, just in a different way. No, I I absolutely love that because it also speaks into, you know, this social element. It just makes me think of this documentary that I watched one time and they were looking for the world's oldest people. Like what was making people stay, they had these long lives. They were living up to like 120. They were, they were healthy and all of that. And they, they went to this little city or this town and they interviewed these people. And what they found was that the people were a eating variety, but also they were social in their food processes from the beginning of chopping their vegetables and making their pastas and everything. And they had the experience in the process so for me, it just really speaks into, you know, what is what is the process of food teaching us about our relationships, about life? I could get super philosophical on this, but I, uh, for the sake of this episode, I'll keep it simple. And maybe this relates a little bit to the question that we just touched on now. Um, on your website, you you say, after navigating restrictive diets that left my social life in shambles, and food guilt at an all-time high, my entire mindset towards nutrition and gut health completely transformed. I'd love to know, what is it that transformed for you? My whole life. I mean, when I was like deep in the depths of my gut issues, I was paranoid about everything, not just food. I was paranoid about traveling. I was paranoid about leaving my house for extended periods of time. I was paranoid about a lot of stuff. And that really limited me in my relationships, in my career, in school, you know, in all the stuff, because I spent so much time thinking about my digestive issues. And so my life transformed, not only from a food perspective, but also from a social perspective, and just from an experiences perspective. I now love traveling. Um, I love going to see new places. We were just talking about before we got on air, like I, I want to come to South Africa one day. Like 
I, that is something that I enjoy and something that my husband and I, and I think my kids, they're too young probably to tell me, but that they enjoy as well. And so, yeah, you know, your, your life opens up when you're no longer so focused on your digestive issues and so focused on food. This is maybe a little bit more of a personal question. What is a kind of a a day in the life of gut health dietitian look like in terms of how you approach food and, and that? Well, if you think I have it all perfect, I don't. I have two small children. I have a four-year-old and a 10-month-old. And so I don't really have a day in the life because like, for example, this morning, my 10-month-old decided to wake up at 5.30 in the morning because we had a time change this weekend and everybody's schedule's off. But that doesn't mean that my whole day was derailed and that like nothing went to plan. But, you know, typically my mornings look like I, besides, you know, today and the instances where that happens, I try to wake up before my kids so I can have some time to journal, do a devotional, or just spend some time like kind of getting my mind right for the day, whether it's journaling, goal setting, whatever it is. Um, If I have time, I'll do like a quick workout. Sometimes I'll do um, like a Pilates workout. I've been doing lots of like low intensity workouts recently just because that's what feels best in my body right now. You know, typically before that, I'll eat some kind of snack because I don't like to wait too long to eat. And then the day kind of starts, you know, I'm getting kids ready for school and making lunches and feeding and all that kind of stuff. And then usually I'll eat a breakfast. So while my kids are eating, I try to eat as well. Some kind of balanced meal. Like today I had eggs and some chicken sausage and some scrambled veggies and it was super easy and super good. And then usually I start working. So I work, I'll take a break for lunch. I do my best to try to not work and eat, but that is not that does not always happen, although I do try to make a very conscious effort to not do that. When I wrap up work, I pick up my son. Usually we go on a walk in the afternoon, especially when the weather is nice. Um, Then we'll pick up my daughter from school. And then usually the evening is family time doing family meals. I love to cook. I don't cook as much as I used to because uh, right now our life is like what can be made quickly and is nourishing and convenient. So I do on the weekends try to do some sort of meal prep, even if that's just like chopping up things that I can easily cook, or if it's prepping like some kind of protein in advance, I'll do that or some kind of starch. I try to have some ingredients made to make mealtime easier. Then it's bath, bed, all, all that kind of stuff. We usually try to do something in the evening to wind down, whether that's reading or some type of relaxation. So my life is pretty not exciting, but it also is at the same time. So that's awesome. And I think the the thing that made me smile the most there is that you are a gut health dietitian and professional. And not once there did you say, and then I eat at this time and then I have this specific thing. And then, I, you know, so it just like speaks into you spoke about your day, you spoke about your kids, you spoke about your work, you, you spoke about flexibility and sometimes things being as they planned and sometimes they don't go as, as planned. And, and it just it speaks so well into this idea of kind of just flexibility. My friend calls himself a flexitarian. <laughs> <laughs> because they just uh, whatever goes and and whatever's called for and being mindful um and making time for things that are important like your family time like your you time i think a lot of busy moms don't do that they don't say actually i need this time for myself as well so that it just it speaks into a lot of normal 
human balance. I think the way that we should be living and not in this perfect kind of mold that we expect for ourselves. But one thing that you did say is that there was this kind of rigid dieting that you used to have, restrictive dieting, because your gut health was always an issue for you. Now, my mom shares a, a similar thing. She's always struggled with her gut. From the very time that I can remember, she was on some restrictive diet in order to try and heal, in inverted commas, her gut issues. Now, you speak in one of your blogs that it's possible to prevent recurring gut issues. And so I would just be interested for a person who has chronic gut issues, how could they prevent recurring gut issues? Because you might find a person tries their really really tries their best they go on some fancy new diet and then as soon as they break that their gut issues return so how does one maintain uh, gut health yeah i love that question and kind of speaking to what you said earlier about the rigidity i think the best way especially if you are in a similar stage of life or not the the best way to to really just stress yourself out and make things harder on yourself is to create a really rigid routine because Life is unpredictable. And if something is going to disrupt your routine and then you feel like you just can't recover from it, that like not having flexibility and not being able to just kind of roll with the punches a little bit is going to hold you back. And that did not happen overnight at all. I think kids will make you learn that really quickly. But, you know, like sometimes their plans are just different than yours and that's totally fine. But as far as preventing symptoms, you know, especially if you do have a bit of, you know, an unpredictable schedule or you want to have more flexibility in your life, it goes back to identifying the true sources of your symptoms that aren't necessarily food related. And so what I mean by that is, you know, let's say you had this beautiful tree in your backyard that you really loved because it provided tons of shade and it was beautiful and whatever else. And maybe the, the branches on that tree, a couple of them started dying. If you just started chopping off the branches you know, you could do that, but eventually the tree is going to have no branches versus, you know, you probably would call an arborist or someone to come out and assess this tree and say, okay, the reason that these branches are dying is because there's some sort of fungus on the tree or there's termites or whatever. I don't know. That's how our gut health is. If we can identify what's at the root of the problem that's causing these branches to die or not flourish, we can prevent our symptoms. So for a lot of people, they have many root causes. Um, for me specifically, stress was a big one. I didn't know that how stressed I was because I didn't recognize that there was so many other stressors on my body besides what people think of as stress. I think a lot of times we think stress is like, oh, I'm stressed about my job or I'm stressed about this deadline that I have, but under eating is a stress. Overexercising is a stress. Not getting enough sleep is a stress. Dehydration is a stress. Having underlying gut infections is a stress. And so if we are not looking deeper into the gut, even um, an imbalance of bacteria in the gut is a stress. So if you have not enough good bacteria in your gut because of restrictive dieting, 
that's a stress on your body. So we want to look at the true reasons why you're having symptoms. Stress is likely the case for everybody. Um, But then we can also look into things like slow gut motility, hypothyroidism, you know, maybe you have some underlying infections, like I mentioned, Um, maybe there's some digestive enzyme issues. But that's where working with someone can be helpful to help you identify these. But if you're not working with someone and you can't right now, then I would at first just look at all the pieces of stress in your life and try to at least eliminate some of them. So you can eliminate the stress of dehydration by prioritizing water intake and electrolytes each day. You can eliminate the stress on your body of blood sugar imbalance by eating balanced meals throughout the day. You can eliminate the stress of not sleeping enough by getting in bed earlier. So I think um, although my schedule is now flexible, I do have some non-negotiables each day and that I try my best each day to drink 80 to 100 ounces of water with minerals and electrolytes each day. I try to get seven to eight hours of sleep. I try to listen to my body and not exercise in a way that's going to hurt me more than it's going to help me. So I think if you come up with just a couple non-negotiables, that can be super powerful. And then you can do those, whether you're at home or traveling or or whatever else, you can have those as kind of anchor pieces into your routine. I think that's really helpful to, especially for people who perhaps don't have the ability to work with a professional and uh, identify things like gut infections, just the simple act of reducing stress of looking at the stresses. And I suppose that would speak into like long-term stresses as well, like things like grief, trauma, those kinds of things. Are, are Are we managing those things? Are we dealing with processing? Because those are also stresses. One of the things I got curious about now was you know, a lot of people have misinformation about how to deal with gut health, one of them being going on some kind of restrictive diet. But another one might be something like if a person is struggling with a lot of acid reflux, they might take an anti-acid like in, in South Africa, you call you can get a Gaviscon or a Rennie's. Now, I have heard, and you can maybe clarify the truth on this if you have insight, that taking an anti-acid for acid reflux is actually one of the worst things you can do for the stomach because there's actually too little acid in the stomach and that's why we're getting reflux and to to suppress the acid now is actually doing the opposite job. So maybe you could just clarify that for me if that's a true statement or not. Yeah, so this could probably be a whole podcast episode in itself, but it is common that people will be prescribed anti-acids or PPIs, what they're called here in the US, and these are acid reducing medications and they're handed out like candy in some sense. There's an infection that's actually the most common infection in the world. It's called H. pylori. H. pylori actually reduces stomach acid and it's very easily transmittable. You can get it through saliva. So anybody that you're kissing or sharing a drink with, which is why it's probably the most common infection in the world because we're just constantly passing it to each other. So In my experience, I find that most people that are on a PPI are not, typically haven't had high stomach acid. They've had some kind of either infection like H. pylori or they had too little stomach acid, which was causing the acid reflux like you mentioned. I don't know when that like narrative will change for people, but we do a lot of work in our program with people actually getting them off the PPIs because 
actually they were meant to be like a very short term solution. They were meant to be prescribed for like a couple weeks. And we see people that have been on them for years, but you don't want to lower your stomach acid. Your stomach acid is one of the first steps of digestion and your stomach has to fill with acid in order to empty. So this is now going to affect gut motility, but also it's kind of the first line of defense. If you're exposed to any pathogen or parasite or anything, it enters your stomach and it should be killed off by acid. Um, And so you're more susceptible to things like food poisoning and other issues when you are constantly lowering your stomach acid. That is so insightful for me because I know someone who's been on PPIs for years and years for quote unquote their gut health and they are consistently getting sick with immune problems and that just kind of like connected that thing for me and I'm actually going to have a chat to them about this after our talk. Um, so thank you for that. Um, you did mention in that answer about your your program and I know you have the Gut Together program. Could you please tell me a little bit about this program and, and what it is you do? Yeah. So really the Gut Together program was designed for people that were like me in the past and for individuals that feel like they're at their wits end with their digestive health. And really the reason that I built this program was because this is what I wish I had when I was struggling. You know, I I hated going to the doctor, not really getting answers and then feeling like I had to wait six weeks to get another appointment or get answers. So this is a six month completely custom and individual program for women struggling with digestive issues. We do see men on a case by case basis, but the the program is for women. It's a combination of individual support as well as we also have community support because I always tell people you can't heal in isolation, just like with your eating disorder. It's helpful to have people that are going to walk alongside you. So Of course, everything that we do is completely customized because everybody's gut health is different. But knowing that you have that community there is really powerful. So yeah, it's a six-month program to help you identify the true sources of your symptoms and address them so you can have lifelong relief. That's amazing. And in that program, do you work with mindset and nutrition and all of those things together? Yes. So we do testing. We do, um, you know, obviously nutrition recommendations. We do supplement protocols if needed. We do lifestyle modifications, mindset work, the whole, the whole work. Because the reality is like nutrition alone is likely not going to fix the problem. Just like supplements alone aren't, you know, if you're only relying on supplements to fix your gut, that's not going to work. So we have to address it holistically and leverage the lifestyle side of things the stress, the sleep, the the mindset that matters so much. Uh, I think I might actually suggest your program to my mom. <laughs> okay, so coming more towards the end of our, our time together, I'd love to know what kind of brings you joy in the work that you do or maybe a highlight of your career. And what do you really enjoy about the work that you do? I think that the thing that I love the most is seeing people's lives turn around, you know, like they come to us to fix their, their gut issues. And I don't think they realize how much that affects them in their relationships, in their career, and even in their families. Some of the most powerful stories that I hear is how this is creating generational change. And it always moves me so much because 
Um, we've had many instances of women that came to us because they were sick of their digestive issues and it was starting to affect their children, you know, in the way that they spoke about their body and the way that they navigated food and navigated social settings. And they're like, I don't want my children to have these issues as well. And so like, it's so powerful when you think about it that way, like the way that you interact with food, the way that you interact with your body affects more than just you. And so you have the opportunity to influence your family, your friends, whoever, um, by investing in yourself. And then it can have this ripple effect, which is so powerful. It's so important to recognize the fact that when you deal with your food relationship, your gut health and all of that, you can actually have so many rippling effects onto other areas of your life. And and I think it's so important, especially as a, a woman who maybe has children and who has gut issues, to be doing things like this program and addressing those issues. Because I can recall back to when I was um, maybe in puberty kind of years, my my mom having these issues with her gut. And because of these issues, she was on heavily restrictive diets. She was always talking about, no, I can't eat this. No, I can't eat that. And and it, it did affect her mental health and her perspective of herself. And I think for a person such as myself, who has a susceptibility to an eating disorder, then obviously took to those comments and those behaviors in an extreme way. And it not to ever point fingers. And my mom and I have a very open com conversations about this kind of stuff all the time. We've, we've healed our relationships and looked at our past, but recognizing that her inability to have a solution for her gut issues were heavily impacting my relationship to my food. And so if you're a mom out there who has gut issues and you don't want to influence your son, daughter, or anything like that um, in, in a way that might create a, an environment for disordered eating, then dealing with your gut through Heather's program would be a really, really effective tool to use and could be life-changing. So I'm really grateful for the fact that you have dedicated your life's work to this program and to helping people with this stuff so that they can improve all areas of their life. Um, so yeah, any, any messages or words of encouragement for those who are struggling with their gut issues at the moment and don't know what to do? Well, first of all, thanks for having me and letting me share my story and um, share with your listeners. But if you're listening and you just feel really discouraged and really stuck or Maybe you have the thought of, I've already tried everything, nothing's going to work. Um, what I'll tell you is I've been there and I get it. And it's uh, not a fun place to be, but you, there's always something else that you can try. And I think sometimes it just requires you to zoom out a little bit. It's a little bit hard when you're in the weeds and you don't feel well to like see the whole picture. But I would just start small by looking at what we were talking about earlier, how can you eliminate just one unnecessary stressor in your life that's going to start to get the snowball going on relief and then just kind of keep working on that narrative of I've tried everything um, and, and don't give up because it's worth it. Thank you so much for that. And I think everyone need, needed to hear that. So you have a new book coming out on the 20th of December. Please tell me what that book is about and, you know, where we can access it and buy it if we do want to find it. Yeah, I'm so excited. So the book is called The Happy Healthy Gut Cookbook, and it's available 
internationally. Um, I will say if you are not in the U.S., it may be a little bit after December 20th. But if you are in the U.S., it is after or it's on December 20th. It'll be on your doorstep just in time for Christmas time. But it is a book that's going to give you some in-depth information in the beginning about how to understand your symptoms, how to navigate them, some symptom relief tools. And then the back is about 50 recipes that I've developed. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I love cooking. So this was really fun to do. And really, I think what makes the book is the pictures, which I I absolutely cannot take credit for because I didn't take them. But the pictures are amazing. So they're fun to look at and hopefully appetizing to look at. But I'm very excited. Really, it's a um, it's meant to be a reference for anybody struggling with digestive issues to help them navigate their symptoms and work on actually adding food back in. So there's no restrictive diets or recommendations in the book. It's all about actually adding variety in plants uh, into your into your diet. I love that just in time for Christmas. And also it comes with the visual element to bring that element of joy back into the cooking process. Like we said, again, cooking and eating and all of that, it's not meant to be just this thing that we do just for the sake of doing it. It's actually it's actually a psychological process. And so if we can bring some enjoyment into it, we can bring some information and insight um, from a nutritional point of view um, and also from someone such as yourself who believes in balanced approach, which I really like. So that's awesome. Can't wait for that book to to be released. Just one more thing before we end is your program. Is it something people can join at any time or is it does it have specific dates? And how does that how does a person access you and your material? Where do they find you and that kind of thing? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. It's at Dr. Heather Finley, um, F-I-N-L-E-Y. And um, our program is open enrollment, so it's just based on availability. So when we have slots available, we're able to enroll people. Obviously, we can't take everybody because we want to provide a really good experience. So you're welcome to reach out and see if we have spots available, and we'd love to help you. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show, and I've really just enjoyed every single moment. You've had some information that has definitely made me want to sit back and absorb this all, listen over a couple of times and dig deeper into those little those little gems that you dropped, whether it was learning more about what's actually going on in the biochemistry of the the gut, you know, with that low IgA stuff, whether it's looking at your negative thoughts, um, your mindset around food, recognizing that one needs to be able to eat a variety and one needs to be eating an adequate amount of food in order for the gut to kind of create the microbiome that is conducive to health, even if it's not only mental health, but immune system health as well. Uh, Looking at things like supplements that might help um, holistically and that vagal nerve activation before eating to create the rest and digest. So just so many things that we have covered. I'm so grateful for your time here. So thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you have liked it, share it with people who you think might benefit from listening to it as well. Don't forget to go to my Instagram page called at Curious About Recovery to find out about upcoming episodes or to browse the episodes of the past. You can also follow my page called at Kirsten Honeyball where you can get inspiration for your eating disorder recovery.